Hello! Uh, this is episode 3 of Snapdragon Duplex. It's the 9th of January 2021. We are your hosts, Mikey Mack and Randy Phil. Um, this episode's going to be a wee bit different from the previous. Uh, me and Andy, we both work offshore uh, in the North Sea and we're on slightly different rotors. So when he's away, sometimes I'm at home and sometimes when I'm away, he's at home. So we've decided that the best thing to do is for him to watch AW and record his reactions and send them over to me. Uh, and then we're going to listen to them together and see how we get on. Uh, I'm going to react to his reactions, I guess. So um, I guess we're all in for the same ride here. Uh, let's go from there. You're right, Mikey. It's Randy Phil here, live, pre-recorded from the North Sea, giving you my thoughts and opinions on New Year's Smash night one um let's just let's kick it off and see how it goes uh, first match of the night we've got the young bucks and scu versus the acclaimed and th2 um first thing was cool with the entrance for the acclaimed uh, they were name dropping a couple of guys cena and Janetti, and then i also noticed the the censoring on AEW is atrocious but um what did think the match itself it was a brilliant match a good eight-man tag match all the teams seemed to get good spots in it was a fast-paced match we got to see some good things from all the teams and it's given me high hopes for the tag division going forward for the year it was a Cool finish with a moonsault Meltzer driver with Daniels and Matt Jackson. Um, I think they said it was a, a finisher that Daniels and Kazarian usually do against Nick and Matt Jackson, Young Bucks, but I've not seen it before and I was quite impressed with that. I thought it was a cool, cool finish for it. Um, I've got another random, random thought coming here. It's um, if Kazarian and Daniels do lose and they do break up SCU, could we see Suicide and the Curryman teaming up? Jericho mentioned on commentary that on AEW Dynamite they do tend to follow their stipulations, which seemed like a, a poke at WWE. And off of that, I just had a thought. With the whole Miz in the Money in the Bank thing, with John Morrison cashing it in, and they've went back on it saying Morrison can't cash it in because the Miz has the Money in the Bank. What happened with Brock Lesnar? Did he cash it in, or did Heyman cash it in? So does that mean that title was null and void? His reign for that? I'm gonna go back and double check it. So see see what they're saying about that. Fucking idiots. Usual, usual for the usual. Okay, mate, some really good points there. I agree, the censorship is fucking shite. Yeah, so um, you mentioned about um, Curryman and Suicide. For people out there who don't know in TNA and Impact, I didn't watch either of them either, so I'm not really familiar with this. I had to Google it. Curryman was Christopher Daniels in TNA, and Suicide was Frankie Kazarian. 
and they teamed up back then. So, yeah, maybe they could in the same way. It is a very WWE thing to do, um, to just be like, yeah, you know that stipulation we made up? Oh, yeah, that retirement match you had. Yeah, come back next week and have another match. But, um, yeah, um, the rules don't matter in WWE. But it does seem like AEW have been keeping to the rules with Cody Rhodes, for example, not challenging for the title or anything like that. So, who knows? Maybe they will. Maybe they want. Maybe they want them to do singles runs for the end of their career. I think they're both getting on a bit. What you said about Lesnar, he cashed in at Extreme Rules 2019 against Rollins, and Heyman actually cashed in the bo- uh, fucking the briefcase. You were right. So WWE again talking out their fucking hoops, making a decision Miz to lose his cash in and realizing, oh, maybe that was a dumb idea. So it's just typical. My thoughts on the match, SU and the Young Bucks versus the Acclaimed in TH2. Again, I really enjoyed the entrance, just like you said, the Cena references and Dynamite. It's just not one fuck given by AW with that, and that really cracked me up. Another thing I noticed when I was there is um, on commentary, uh, Jericho mentioned that the rankings have been reset. So that was something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, whether the rankings are get reset or not, and where people stand. But the rankings are now null and void. Chris Jericho came out of a line that cracked me up saying it's the first time we've ever had the same record Excalibur, oh and oh, and uh, that that made me laugh. We've got Matt Jackson runs wild for a while, he beats the shit out of everyone, it looks like he's going for a moonsault and the camera's pointed on the ring thinking he's going to go for a moonsault but no he went for a dive on the outside and the camera had to quickly swap round and uh, yeah I loved that, it was, it was brilliant, it was... Um, it was nice to see something that was so obviously not choreographed that uh, even the fucking camera crew missed it. The Meltzer driver at the end with the moonsault was amazing, like you said. The one thing I'll say about TH2, uh, Angelico's dominatrix fetish gloves have come up to his elbow and they are fucking rotten, aren't they? They're fucking awful. So at the end of that, had SU, SEU sorry, had... Uh, a little bit of a promo with the Young Bucks saying they've got their back and everything, but uh, until the day they get a shot at the title. So I think the storyline going forward is probably going to be SCU running up for the title, and in my opinion, they're going to face the Bucks for it, and they're going to lose, and that'll be them breaking up. And it'll be a way to keep them both face and give them a really good fucking last match as a tag team. But um, yeah, I'll probably have to hear your thoughts on that uh, over WhatsApp, unfortunately. Let's get back to Andy. So after the opening eight-man tag, we had John Moxley returning live in front of the crowd. I noticed on his display plate down the bottom he is still ranked number one. So I'm not sure when the ranking system changes. I thought it was the start of the year. Everything got reset, but I'm not sure. Maybe they're carrying it over. Maybe they have reset it and he's up at number one. So I just need to keep an eye on that. And they cut a, a good promo. But again, there was more swearing that wasn't getting picked up by AEW. So I don't know if they're purposefully missing it to try and seem a bit edgier or not. Or somebody's just got to get sacked at the end of the day for being pissed poor at his job. And when Moxley was talking, the only thing I noticed really was he has got atrocious hair. I mean, my hair's not brilliant, but he's... <laughs> Receding worse than me and thinning worse than me, but he's still pulling it off much better than what I am, and I think it's just because he's a hard bastard. 
and nobody's <laughs> going to fuck with him. Yeah, yeah, um, <clears throat> really good points there, um, made me laugh. His hair is gash, I think he needs to shave it, but then when he, this is him with the shaved hair, because if you remember when he was Dean Ambrose, he had the long kind of, who am I thinking of, Bobby Charlton kind of look, but he was a combing it forward, um, looked pretty, I mean, it suited the character, I mean, now, yeah, I think he's going to have to shave it, isn't he? It's uh, getting to that point. Yeah, I I was gonna say that before um, in the last one, but but I saved it just in case you said it. And I'm really glad that you did say it uh, when I mentioned about the rankings being reset. Why is Moxley number one contender? Is it just because? I mean, I don't know if they do mandatory rematches in this or what goes on. I don't think they have done. To be honest, I can't remember, which is really helpful when you're running a podcast about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why he's number one contender. There's so many people in contention for the title right now that uh, I'm. I mean, I'll get to this later on, but I'm absolutely loving the main event scene in AW right now. But um, yeah, uh, the swearing. I mean, I wonder if it is just an edginess to kind of like letting some stuff through or whatever. But I mean, it's live TV, man. You got a fucking ten second delay, or five second delay, or whatever. WWE always catch it. You know what I mean? The fucking news always catches it. Fucking Eurovision always catches it, so I'm wondering how... It seems almost like either someone's getting sacked, like you say, or they're just fucking letting it through on the fly and being like, oh, sorry, TNT, we just, uh, you know, here's what it is. Take it back to Andy. Um, after Moxley, we had a backstage part where Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy were talking about how Trent Beretta out injured, they could be out for 45 months and they get interrupted by Miro and Kip with Penelope. So Miro issues the challenge to Chuck Taylor for a match next week on AEW New Year's Smash Night 2 where if Chuck Taylor loses, he will become Miro's young boy which sounds a bit weirder than what it is and I think, given the way that it's been put across, there is no way Chuck Taylor's got to win next week, so he'll be the new young boy. But it'd be cool if um, Trent Beretta comes back and he wants to fight for Chuck's honours. So they have Trent Beretta versus Miro for a young boy in a pole match. <laughs> and that sounds even weirder, but I've seen a lot weirder happening. So that could be a fun one, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I have nothing written down for this promo, and I actually forgot about it until you mentioned it right now. And the young boy thing did make me laugh. I was um, I was just like, yeah, you'll be my young boy. And I'm like, okay, it's fucking okay. That's fine. I wonder what Lana has to say about that, but okay. Yeah, i got nothing else to say. I think that's probably a good shout, what you said about maybe Trent's going to come back and uh, take back his young boy off the pole. Um, no one wants their young boy on the pole, after all. We had the second match of the night next. It was Hager versus Wardlow, and I couldn't have been more wrong about this match when we were saying it was going to go for a screwy finish. It was a it was a half decent match, I thought. It brought out Matt and Vince McMahon, just two big beefy boys battering each other. And it I really enjoyed it. It was just like big hit after big hit, a few wrestling grapple holds to try and wear each other down. 
and then eventually Hager and Matt Wardlow started getting the upper hand whenever he had a big spine buster out the corner and then just followed up with suplex after suplex. They had a mental swanton bomb for the size of him. would not expect him to be as agile as he is. But he didn't quite get the pin covered on Hager and Hager reversed and like a head arm triangle hold, which is cool. But Wardle gets out of that hitting the ropes. And they make a fight towards the top rope and Hager locks in the submission again. And Wardle like catches him on the ropes, gets him with an F ten and it was just a, a clean finish which was totally unexpected. And then you seen after the match they had like a wee a fist bump as if right that's that's that dealt with we've had the match we know what's happening. I wonder if we'll see this again, maybe six months to a year down the line. A rematch of some sort once Inner Circle does break up. It's only a matter of time now. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, actually. Um, I felt like it was going to go to a time limit draw. I thought that was kind of going to, they were going to try and drag on this like rivalry thing for a while, but they're obviously done with it. Yeah, but man, just to reiterate what you said about how agile Wardlow is for the fucking size of him, man. That swanton bomb was so smooth. It was like in slow motion. It was like a proper Jeff Hardy only flip your legs over at the last second kind of thing, and it was good. The F10, I wish it wasn't called the F10. I just call it anything else, man. It's just two indies. It's too carny. Like, why... Just call it, I don't know, call it a fucking whirlwind of death or something less shite than that, but anything other than the F10. I'm starting to feel like because uh, they're all kind of making up and pally-pally again, do you think this is... Do you think they're really... I mean, we haven't seen much of Sammy Guevara recently, and I said last week that I thought that they were trying to get him to be... uh, maybe turn him face, make him a solo star. I think he's ready for it. Maybe put him in the TNT title picture. And I feel like him not really being involved for a while was good. I think they're kind of sorting all the other beef out. And they've not sorted out the beef between MGF and Sammy, which is the one that they've really built up. So, yeah, I kind of feel that maybe maybe this is all the long game. They, they love long building storylines. This is the end of the Wardlow and Jake Hager bit. And they're going to find a way for Sammy to um, get fucked over and uh, booted out of the inner circle. And I'm all for that. I'm absolutely all for that. I think his moveset is such a babyface moveset that he's just... It's just how to how, how to make his character more likeable. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Then we had a backstage segment with Private Party and Snoop Dogg having a bit of carry-on. Matt Hardy shows up and he's got his contract for Private Party to be their mentor. And what Matt's wanting is a 30% cut of private parties' contracts. But he's cool about it though because he's still letting them use all their uh, third party services like Cameo and Twitch, which is more than the WWE's given their people apparently. So there you go, same with Matt Hardy, just give him 30%, but you can still get your Twitch, still get your Cameo, still get your OnlyFans. <laughs> Happy days. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah. Had the typical gin and juice reference that they always have when Snoop Dogg turns up fucking anywhere. 
they obviously weren't going to make a weed reference though, were they? Yeah, Matt Hardy, he's in a suit now. I mean, I don't know. What happened, man? It's like he was broken Matt Hardy not even that long ago. And it was so over and everyone was loving it. And now he's just a suit. So to bring back kayfabe explanations, I've got my own kayfabe explanation for this. So my kayfabe explanation for why Matt Hardy is now a suit um, and no longer has multiple personalities, I think when Sammy... <laughs> this, is, this is really... <laughs> I just started saying it and I realised how uh, bad taste this is. But um, when Sammy <laughs> threw him and he, he cracked his head, that uh, just kind of knocked everything back in place and it was the kind of shock that he needed to get rid of the broken gimmick. I feel so dirty saying that. Um, and if... Uh, if I wasn't a man of honour, I would have edited it out, but I'm keeping it in. Um, I'd like to hear your opinion on that at some point, but we'll leave that for another day. So now it's time for uh, Darby Allen and his way in with uh, Brian Cage and the rest of Team Taz. You notice that Darby Allen's came out with a new TNT belt. Looks the same as the old one, except they've changed the strap on it to the black strap, which I'm guessing that's... Uh, that's made you happy now, Mikey. So with the way in, you had Brian Cage in at 272 pounds and Darby Allen at 170. And Taz made the good point of he's wearing the chain, he's wearing the belt. He's he's bulking up just to try and get in the same weight division. So they start having a wee square up. Lights go out. The snow comes on. And it's Sting. Surprise, surprise. We've got Sting showing up. But um, I enjoyed Taz on the mic. He's just, he only had a wee bit of time this week, but he was just brilliant from start to finish. Another thing I noticed when you're looking back on it is um, Sting is wearing the tights like he did in WCW, like the padded thighs. I think they're just playing like a wee bit more and more. They're, they're desperate, well, they're not desperate, but they're looking to get him in some sort of match something physical soon and it has to be with Taz unless you maybe put him in with something with Ricky Starks maybe that'd be a cool one but yeah just to uh, watch this space and see how they go with that wonder if it'll be next week Brian Cage and Team Taz with Darby Allen will be fun to see if Sting's in his corner or not come next week as you mentioned I am I am happy that it's black uh, that the belt's been changed to black couldn't tell if it looked better because Darby was dragging it about. Couldn't even lift it off the fucking ground. So just keeping within his moody bellend kind of uh, gimmick, which don't get me wrong, I do actually like. Yeah, £100 difference on the way in. And you could see every pound of it, man. When he was standing there, he just looked like... I don't even know. Like, he made Ricky Starks look big. All I've got about Sting is that he's he's there to stand and look pretty as per usual. Uh, I didn't notice the tights. That's a really good spot. Oh, yeah, they've got they've got to be building to something with him, man. Like, there's no. They would have had him talking or something instead of just standing with a bat. I mean, if it was going to be like he was never going to be in a match, he would just come in and smack him with the bat, and that'd be over and done with. But yeah, uh, again, watch this space, like you said, and I'm I'm all here for it, man. I'm all here for a cinematic match. I love them. Uh, they've they've been the one great thing to come out of. 2020's unfortunate shittiness, I guess. The the cinematic matches have really made a difference. 
when we come back and MGF is having a wee backstage moment with Jake Hager and he's going in he's bigging him up saying you might have lost but you still walked out you had a good match and this is just like a flashback to a couple of weeks ago when he went in they had the heart to heart with Santana I think it was and this is just this is MGF just playing with all the the rest of the inner circle try to get their trust but they don't know yet if um, if this is him going for a takeover or if he's just trying to build a bit of trust with them but I'm thinking as well could MGF have created the Wardlow and Hager tension knowing that he was going to back Wardlow going into the match have him beat Hager and that's gave him this opportunity to go in there and talk him up to try and get him on his side. But I'm wondering, is MGF getting them on his side so that he can go against Sammy Guevara and kick him out? Or is it for going against Jericho? But this is still months down the line yet. You know, AEW love the long-term booking. So it's, it's not a matter of if MGF's got to turn them all, it's got to be just when at this point. What, what do you think, Mickey? Do you think Inner Circle will see it through to 2022? I'm wondering if it's a, if it could be when Jericho's contract is up. If he doesn't re-sign, will this be MGF taking over? Or if he does re-sign, will they just keep it going for as long as they can, as long as they're getting good comments about it? Yeah, it's crazy. Me and you are on the same wavelength here. This is a Something that I mentioned earlier on, so I'm not going to go too much into it. I find it funny that MGF is a complete babyface in the inner circle and he's just a massive heel everywhere else, including real life. So yeah, inner circle, are they going to make it to 2022? I don't know when Jericho's contract's up, but I, I, I think you're right. I think that's such a good point. They take the Jericho's contract ending... And Jericho's so good on commentary, you can move him into something like that. You can change the contract from you're not a performer as much as you're part-time kind of dude who's on the commentary full-time. And um, yeah, again, I'm here for that. I'm here for Jericho coming in now and again, doing big matches. And MGF being the next leader, that's just... Yeah, that could work. That could work. Yeah, I don't have much else to add to that, mate. They're really good points. The next match we had was... Matt Seidel versus Cody Rhodes. This was like the showcase match they were advertising it as, so now we know why it's because Snoop came out with Cody, so I was wrong with that one. It didn't come out playing at heel, bringing all the big stars out with him. He brought Snoop out with him to get over the new show that they've got going together, like a talent show of some sort. But this was, um, I was, I was wrong. But I was right because Cody was still the heel for this match because he hit Serpentico. Serpentico? He hit him with a massive forearm. Then during the ad breaks, he started showbotting, doing the press ups in the middle of the ring. But um, during the match, it was good to see that Matt Seidel didn't try to commit suicide this time, landing on his head. But they'd done a cool spot where Cody went to skin the cat off the ropes and they came in with a drop kick and just like. Matt Seidel drop-kicked Cody in the face. It looked rough, but it was cool. And then Cody keeps going with the 
bad guy act and hits him with a double crossroads which was definitely uncalled for and of course Cody gets the win because it's Cody not going to fault you for that if you're the boss you take the win you make the win and uh, it was good to see that Serpentico and Luther waited until after the match before they decided to get involved and then proceeded to both get their cunts kicked in but Luther didn't help himself at all because he tripped over Serpentico when he went to go for Seidel and he just fucked up and got kicked out of the ring and then Snoop went away the weirdest frog splash knee drop that I've seen but how old is Snoop? He must be like well in these 50s about now anyway his 20-21 record is 1-0 so does that mean that he's now ranked number one for AEW? Yeah, him and John Mox are fighting uh, next week for the number one contenders. That's the <clears throat> that's the plan. Uh, it's the New Year's Bash, or New Year's Smash, sorry, night two. Snoop Dogg versus John Moxley um, in a gin and juice match. So you've actually covered most of the spots I was wanting to cover. The only thing I've got to say is Cody's entrance, man. They'd spliced the music up with him, like his song and Snoop Dogg, and they spliced it so bad, and it it was jarringly crap. It was like I just hear it go oof, that's fucking terrible. I could tell that uh, the Luther stuff would upset you because obviously, as we know from last week, Luther's your man. Uh, you're a big fan of Luther. Luther getting dropped like he's hot by Snoop Dogg must have uh, really upset you, mate. So, uh, my condolences. Yeah, Cody was working as a heel. I've got so much stuff written. I've And beside every heel thing he's done, I've just written, what a heel. So I've got Cody doing push-ups mid-match, what a heel. Cody doing two finishes in a row, what a heel. There's more, but I'm skimming through it quite fast because you've, you've gone through most of it. I thought Matt Seidel, or Seidel, however you say it, his standing version of John Morrison's Starship Pain that moonsault corkscrew thing. He did that from, from standing position and it was awesome. I don't know why that's not his finisher. But anyway, the only thing I've got to say about this is uh, Snoop Dogg's coaching. He was in the Arn Anderson role where Arn's got his fucking wee uh, playbook out and he's like telling Cody what to do and all that. Snoop's coaching was very on brand for Snoop Dogg where he was turning, he was just turning it around holding it up and being like, Cody, I'm way too high to read any of this. Can you just fucking read it yourself? <laughs> For 49 years old he is, he's 49, uh, Snoop. For that him to do a splash the way he did it was... It was impressive, man. I mean, it was daft, um, as all celebrity cameos are. And it's been a weird year. I mean, it's been a weird, yeah, 12 months for AEW's cameos, man. They've been getting good people in. They get, they've got Shaq, they've had um, Mike Tyson, they've had Snoop Dogg, and they've started storylines that haven't gone anywhere. So be interesting to see how Snoop Dogg's gin and juice match with John Moxley next week goes. And it's time for the women's AW title match, Abaddon versus the champion Hikaru Shida and Abaddon makes a jump at the start of the match, comes hunting for Hikiro but quickly gets smashed in the head with a kendo stick and noticed from your comments last week Hikaru is not yet a zombie which is interesting, but we'll see how that goes for the rest of the match. Abaddon went for a bite. I think I counted two bites 
that she landed, went for about four or five, managed to get a gash in the neck, you didn't see the bite, but they went under the ring, advertised the show that Cody and Snoop Dogg's on, came out, and Hikaru Shida just had blood all down her neck. Um, there was a cool spot in it when Abaddon was on the outside, and Hikaru Shida like, went on the middle rope from the ring, and jumped out with a crossbody to the outside. It was just, it seemed basic but effective, it just looked cool. But um, anyway, as predicted, Hikaru Shida wins with the Kam Tashi, a shining wizard knee. Easy, easy title defence maybe. We'll see if she becomes a zombie next week or the week after. Um, interesting to see who could be the next woman's number one contender. I'll need to check the rankings and get back to us on that one. Yeah, I um, I gotta be honest, man, I fucking hated this match. <sighs> I thought it was gonna, I thought it was gonna be good. I actually thought it was gonna be good. And Abaddon, you've got this zombie, and yeah, fine, I can deal with the kayfabe thing of like, yeah, she didn't actually turn, um, she turned a zombie yet. Maybe next week, um, but all I've written for this match, my entire description of the match was. Abaddon bites chunks out of her leg, drags her to hell under the ring. No, sell, she didn't sell for the entire match. She's an absolute beast, and she loses to a running knee. It's just bollocks. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So, yeah, dumb, dumb, dumb. That's all I can say. It's just really dumb. I, I like both of them to be honest. I think I think Abaddon is daft, but I love daft wrestling. Uh, she does a really good wrestler. Uh, who knows who's next, man? I think I think Britt Baker needs to get that belt at some point. They need to have a heel champion for a while. Because um, this is getting stale. And before we get into the main event, we'll just run through the matches that have been announced for next week's AEW. So you've got Darby, K- uh, Darby Allen versus Brian Cage. Chuck Taylor versus Miro. Serena Deep versus Ty Conte. Still can't get her name right. But this one's for the NWA women's title match. And we've got the Jurassic Express versus FTR. And we noticed that during this show, the Jurassic Express is going to be Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy. As well, we'll finally get uh, Pac versus Eddie Kingston. I'm excited to see how that one's got to go. We've got The Waiting Room, which is Britt Baker's talk show, and she's got Cody Rhodes there, so I want to see what he's got to be doing. If he's maybe distancing himself from uh, the whole TNT title, Darby Allen, Team Taz thing, what's, uh, what's next for him? And we've got the Inner Circle's New Year Resolutions. Love anything that the Inner Circle's got to do, so that'll be a fun one. And this last one here, they mentioned that the Elite is in action. And that's uh, interesting that they said it was the Elite after what happens at the end of tonight's show. Right, I'm going to stop him there um, before we go to the main event. Uh, just run through all the matches that he said. So Darby versus Cage, um, 
Darby's got to win. I think Sting's going to get involved and that's going to set things up. Chuck versus Miro. I think Andy's right. I think Miro's going to win and make him his uh, fucking wee boy, whoever it is. Young boy. Serena versus Ty for the NWA belt. Well, Serena's going to win because it's not on NWA. So. Jurassic Express, Marco Stunt promo from earlier on. Um, I've got no predictions on that. I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing how they play that. I imagine Jungle Boy will do everything. Maybe Marco gets the pin. But if Marco pins someone in FTR, man, that's just a joke. But it, it is what it is. Pack v Eddie. I'm excited for that as well. I feel like it's got to be Pack. But I could believe that Eddie could be him. See what goes on. Brett talking to Cody. Again, agree with Andy. I'm excited to see what's next for Cody. I feel like that's the kind of show where you could really start sowing the seeds for the heel turn. Inner Circle New Year's resolutions. Ah, man, it's going to be good. Whatever it is, it's going to be good. And the Elite. And we'll come back to that later on, like Andy says. On to the main event. So with that being next week's, let's... Let's get into what the main event is tonight. It was Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix for the AEW Championship match. It was some crazy, crazy spots during the match. You had Omega hitting Hurricane Runners. There was a lot of Hurricane Runners, but some of them just looked mental. They were getting spiked on their head. They were getting chopped. Their chests were red raw. I mean, fuck that. You could hear them. Everyone I had, it just... It just gave me, oh, made me shiver. Don't fancy any of that. Sounded brutal, looked worse. And Kenny Omega, he's fighting like a more aggressive style, and I'm loving it. Like he hit a snapdragon duplex, snap, snapdragon suplex on the outside, and he hit a back suplex onto the guardrail. Um, Ray Phoenix's spine. Just hitting it. it looked brutal. Um, Ray Phoenix wasn't going down easy. He hit a top top rope con hero, something like that. It was like a flip over the ropes to the outside, but he just came in so fast, so hard, nearly hit Kenny Omega, then went over the guardrail into the crowd. Just it looked mental. Loved it. And then later on, towards the end of the match. Ray Phoenix ran towards the corner, ran up the turnbuckle, done a moonsault over Omega, landed behind him, and then had a German suplex. It just looked as though it was, it hurt like fuck. No chance with a fancy taking that any day of the week. Um, it all came to the end when Kenny Omega hit a Tiger Driver and a V Trigger. They only got a two count, and then he picked him up and hit the one-winged angel. But it didn't even look though he had to pull Ray Phoenix down to do it. He had Ray Phoenix on his shoulders, and he just collapsed over. And that Kenny Omega hit the one-winged angel, got the win. It's what you were expecting. No Kenny Omega to retain. It was a good match. I'll watch it again. There was another really crazy bit where Kenny Omega hit a brutal looking V-trigger, like a knee to the face. Ray Phoenix went down, done a kip up, 
hit a super kick and the two of them went down. And I was thinking, why are they not doing a, a 10 count for the two of them being down? That would have been brilliant. Just count, take it to the 8 or 9, build a bit of tension before then, but missed opportunity. Can't get it all right, but still a freaking brilliant match. I'll be tuning in again for that some point later in the year. Sign me up for a rematch any day. Mate, you've this this is what I absolutely love. I love when you start rattling through the match and you're going through all of my notes. I'm just like this is so we've all picked up on the same things. It's and beside I mean everything you mentioned, the it was just the wee sequences, man. There's like the the knee, the kip up, the super kick, all that. It was so smooth. It was just fluid. And it just ah, oh, I can't, I can't put. I, I, I was fawning over this match, mate. I was loving it. Um, to me, it was a five star. I, I loved it. Starfish Island, Don Callis. He, <laughs> I love this guy. I absolutely love him. He, he's a sleaze. Oh man, I, I, I don't know what it is. There's something about him. He, and and him and Kenny, they just work. They just work. It just. Um, the only thing I've mentioned here that you didn't was Ray Phoenix came out on his own, which was cool, and we obviously know why now, but uh, at first I was like, why is he coming out on his own? They had an overlay of Pac cutting a promo with his brother there as well, uh, Pentagon, and it just made me think about how good Death Triangle are. It's like, at first they felt kind of thrown together, now it just feels right. It's three really similar wrestlers who have this kind of fucking bad energy to them, and oh, it's great. It's absolutely great. Yeah, you have absolutely everything that I've said. This is a pay-per-view level quality of match. This is the kind of match that you would happily pay money to see. And I can't believe they put it on TV for free. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, I know, I can see why, because it's not really a marquee kind of match, but like, Jesus, was it good. And I've also noticed the one-winged angel must be the most protected finisher in the entire world because I can't think of one person who's kicked out of it. I know that no one kicked out of it in New Japan. I'm happy to be told I'm wrong. And no one's kicked out of it here. This is just... It's amazing. It's great. It's like You you know when he hits it, it's over. And the pop you're going to get for the first time that someone kicks out of it, I hope it's years away. But the first time someone kicks out of it, it's going to be... Oh, it's going to be great. So, yeah, this was awesome. Great match when it ended. And I saw there was like 10 minutes left of the show. I was like, what the fuck's going to happen here? And I'm sure you're going to get into it. Can't say anything more about it. I really like Ray Phoenix did amazing. Kenny Omega did amazing. And Starfish Island did amazing. So, happy days. And after the match, Don Callis gets on the mic, starts talking trash to Ray Phoenix in. Pentagon's not coming to save you. Pac's not coming to save you. Look on the big screen, and there you go. You've got the Butcher of the Blade, and Eddie Kingston has jumped Pentagon and Pac, just laying into them. And then you just see for the tunnel, John Moxley coming down with the barbed wire baseball bat. And he just has his merry way with uh, Kenny Omega. Until he gets jumped by two goons. It's the Good Brothers. Gallows and Anderson, who are on AEW, they're contracted to Impact Wrestling. So, they start giving their beat down on Moxley. Kenny Omega gets involved, 
grabbed the barbed wire baseball bat that Moxley brought down. Three of them laying into John Moxley. Then you get the bottom barrel feeders of AEW jumping the barrel, uh, jumping the guardrail, coming in trying to help him out. And they just get laid out by three guys. So you've got about 20 guys who are on the AEW roster coming in and they're getting beat up by three guys. Just looks stupid, but I loved it. Then, after a bit of showboating and just laying into John Moore with a barbed wire baseball bat, the Young Bucks come down to make the save. But they don't make the save, do they? That's when they look as though they've now teamed up with Kenny Omega, Gallows and Anderson. And that's what I'm wondering when they say the Elite's in action. Is this them reformed their version of the Bullet Club? Is this them all going for a heel now? Is Cody going to join them maybe next week? Um, and what about John Moxley's MD? Is he going to have any backup? You think John Moxley could be teaming up with Pac? Pentagon and Ray Phoenix to take on Alexa, Kenny Omega and the rest of the elite or do you think they could be teaming up and taking on Eddie Kingston, the Butcher and the Blade or do you think it's just two totally separate things I'm not sure what they're going to try and do with John Moxley it'd be, it'd be cool to see him teaming up with a couple of guys and maybe just causing a riot, maybe he'll show up on Impact come Tuesday that'd be another cool one Right, so the aftermath was amazing. I'm not going to go through everything because you've just done it. The Bullet Club's here. It's here in AW. I'm a bit gutted they've gone with the name The Elite and they haven't called them Starfish Island Club because I thought that would have been brilliant, uh, very fitting with Don Callis. But um, yeah, this is this is awesome. This is great. I marked out like a little idiot. So yeah, you've asked a few questions. Cody, is this what Cody's going to talk about next week? Uh I fucking hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I, I really do. Um, the, the the question I've got is, are the Butcher, the Blade and Eddie involved? Obviously, they helped hold back Death Triangle. That's because they've got their own thing. Is this because Kenny's just basically said, look, I know where they are. Go and fight them over there. Win-win kind of thing. Uh, quid pro quo. Or do you think that they're now involved with the Elite? Because I don't like that. I don't think they would suit being in this Starfish Island Club. John Moxley... How does he play into it? I'm, I feel like he has to team up a pack and Death Triangle now. It makes sense. Uh, where they go with that, I have no idea. And I love that I have no idea. The The thing I was going to say is, for the first time in years, the first time I can remember in ages, there's a world champion that everyone is after. Like Everyone wants to beat the shit out of him and wants a shot at the title. And it's not like just a, oh, I want to be the champ. It's like they've all got beef with him. And... Uh, I'm I'm here for it, man. Is it? I'm 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 buzzing. I I like that Kenny Omega's got a target on his back, and it really feels like he's got a target on his back. Uh, who knows who the next contender is? I know I know Moxley's number one contender, but they can write him off any way they want. Uh, who knows who the real contender is going to be? Uh, how this is going to play out? And you've got to remember, you've got 
Hangman in the background as well. He used to be in the Elite. Obviously, the big fallout with Kenny. He's not going to join this one, but they're going to they're going to have to play that somehow. So, and then he's got the Dark Order. So, I mean, it's great. It's just interweaving storylines, and I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. Uh, so we'll move on to next week. I actually ran through it earlier on uh, really fast, but uh, let's hear what Andy has to say. Uh, for next week, will we run through winners and losers for the matches? I think um, Brian Cage will beat Darby Allen, become the new TNT champion. Miro will beat Chuck and he will become Miro's young boy, which is still just weird. Serena Deep, I think, will successfully retain our NWA Women's Championship against Ty Conte. FTR will probably beat Jurassic Express, I think. And then Pac and Eddie Kingston, that's an interesting one that could be. That could be a free for all, but I think I think with Pac not being on as much, I think they might give him the big win. But either way, it's going to be a fucking it's going to be a fucking good match. Just pay attention for that one, I'd say. Um, and I said those New Year resolutions. No, MJF is going to be to take over the inner circle. Unless maybe he has a New Year's resolution to become a singles champion and so does Jericho. And maybe that'll clash. And what could happen with Cody? I reckon he's going to... He's just going to be a dick, as usual. God love Cody. But, anyway, that's it for... That's all I've got for this week's. Don't forget to... You can find me on Twitch, but not for another week. You can still go and have a look. That's Randy Phil. One Y, two L's. Um, maybe this will work, maybe it won't. Take care, Mikey. Take care, all you beautiful people. Till next time. Well, thanks very much. Um, Just to go through Andy's predictions there. His predictions were better than mine, I think. Um, I'm easily convinced, as I'm sure will become apparent. I'm very easily convinced if someone's got a good reason for it. The New Year's resolutions, now that he's said it, it's kind of made sense in my head what it's going to be. There's going to be a way of building up tension. I think this might be the start of the Sammy Guevara leaving the Inner Circle thing. And he's got to build up tension with everyone. Other than that, I think his predictions are spot on. Uh, I think it went okay. If I'm honest, Andy, I think I'm okay. I'm sure we'll hear from everyone else. And that is the end of the episode. A bit shorter this time. Remember, you can find us on Instagram at Snapdragon Duplex. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Castbox, just pretty much everywhere you can get podcasts. So you can find Randy on Twitch at Randy Phil. That's Phil with two L's. Not this week, but next week when he gets back home and he can start playing on his computer again. So thanks very much, everybody. 